When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there and welcome to this week's Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is a fantasy football scout weekly podcast brought to you by the Scout Network. In each episode, we'll look back at the game week we've just played to assess what we can learn to help us in the next round of features. I'm Sam from the FPL family. Let's Scout the Game Week. This week, I'm joined by one of our new members of the Scout Network. It's FPL Sonaldo. <sighs> Absolutely love your name. All the way from sunny South Korea. Andy, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Very good. Very good. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on. Um, I really appreciate you inviting me and very expi- excited to speak FPL with you today. Ah, it's exciting because obviously you are named after one of my all-time favorites, uh, not only Spurs players, but FPL assets too. I think he is, is just a bit of a legend. How did Game Week 9 treat you? Uh, yeah, so Game Week 9 was a wild ride for me. Um, I had a fantastic Saturday. I guess I have to start off by saying that I was on a 54% differential team this week. So nice. very, very differential. Um, I went against the grain and didn't Captain Salah learn my Ooh. lesson this week. Um, so I was sitting at 40K after starting the week at 100K. Um, thinking that I made a genius move. And by the end of the Liverpool United game, I ended up being 150K. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm kind of looking back at it without too much regret because my differentials did pay off. So the damage wasn't too bad. Um, and just a side note that I know a lot of people were very, very upset this week. And, and you know, there's a lot of noise about quitting FPL and this and that, but one game week doesn't define you. So stay positive and keep chipping away. And I'm sure the good results will come. You know, that's a really important message because I think for me, I've had, as the guys that have listened to this podcast and and me on multiple other platforms across the beginning part of the season will know, I've had a very difficult start to the season. Nothing's really got going. There's always been game weeks that I thought would go well that then just went dreadfully. There'd be players that I thought wouldn't do anything that week and then did. And I was starting to feel a little bit like, oh, am I ever going to catch a break? And then this game week, everything changed for the better. And now it's like, okay, I feel a bit better about life. But I know for a lot of the community, it's, it's the opposite way around. And, and it very much did feel like it was a divided community, depending upon if you'd captain Salah and if you'd not Captain Salah this week. And I suppose that's a really nice way to kind of segue into to scouting the game week into talking about that Liverpool and Manchester United match. I don't know about you, but I captained Salah based upon the form going into that week. And, and obviously the fixture I thought could be interesting. I thought it, I was expecting Manchester United to come out and actually put in some effort, but they really <laughs> didn't. It, it was a really difficult game to watch from a Manchester United perspective. Obviously now Pogba's going to be suspended because he gets that straight red card. So he's an easy sell if you have him. Other Manchester United assets, obviously we don't really know what's happening internally at United at the moment with the Oli Gola Solskjaer thing that's playing out in the background. But do you have a Manchester United asset? And if you do, what are you doing with them? 
I don't have a Manchester United asset. And I think there's two ways of viewing this game. Um, I actually went against uh, Salah captain because I thought it was an off opportunity to go uh, differential. And a lot of that was based off of the, um, the, the second half of the Atlanta Champions League game. I actually stayed up to watch that game and I thought United looked pretty decent and they had some spiting spirit. Uh, mm. Nice comeback there too. Um, so I was very excited for maybe this is the week that United... Uh, kind of uplift their spirits and go against uh, a very, very strong uh, Liverpool side. Uh, I think there's two ways to view this game. You either look at it as Liverpool were really, really good, or you look at it as Man United were really bad. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the way I would think about this is I think United are in a disarray right now um, with the whole Ollie out situation. And it sounds like this is going to come into fruition very, very soon. So um, I would stay away from United assets. Um, if you can afford to sell it and you don't have other burning holes, then I would go ahead and sell. Obviously, I think most common United assets would be Ronaldo, uh, Shaw, and possibly Greenwood. Um, and I would sell them without the with the knowledge that in game week 15, United's fixtures are about to get really, really good. Um, so in the meantime, you can definitely look elsewhere as there's plenty of assets and options in the other teams. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Who did you captain this week if you didn't captain Salah? Yeah, so I, I kind of didn't want to say because uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to get a lot of uh, a lot of hate for this. But um, I think the very smart captain option was uh, Kai Havertz. And mm. I, I, I agree with a lot of uh, FPL managers who, who captained him. I, actually, prior to this game week, I was on wildcard in game week eight and had Werner and Lukaku and was very, very excited about uh, this fixture. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it, I need to credit uh, Late Riser because uh, FPL Wire inspired me to go in that kind of direction. And then both of them got injured. So mm. I went from having three Chelsea assets to one uh, in a span of a couple days. And so I ended up going with Harry Kane uh, because I want to get to the Spurs double up by game week 12. Mm. I was so bullish on that. And so I said, okay, I took a hit to bring in Kane. I need to captain this guy. And Harry failed me, unfortunately. Oh, it's a tough one, that, because, you know, and maybe actually this is a nice way to talk about Spurs. I did similar this week. I, I When Lukaku got injured, in my head, Son and Kane were on my radar for game week 12. And I was thinking, with Lukaku out, there's two, there's two or three choices that you can make here. The first choice is that you just downgrade massively and you go to somebody like Tony or a very cheap forward option, Brozier maybe at um, Southampton or maybe Huang at, at Wolves. And so in my head, I was like, do we, do we come right down with that budget? And then that means I've got loads of money, which I can reinvest in the midfield. Or... Do I go Vardy, who's the informed player at the moment, has what on paper looks to be a nice fixture against Brentford, but we know that Brentford have been really good since they've arrived in the Premier League. Or do I risk it and go early on Kane, having seen one performance that I liked against Newcastle in the Premier League, but not a lot else. And I thought, do you know what? I am planning for a transfer if I do anything other than go to Kane here, because the plan was always Lukaku until 12 came from 12 onwards so I might as well just go early on it and he was one that I had flagged early on in the week as a good differential captain his record against West Ham is really good in Spurs' yep. record against West Ham there are always goals in those games everything seemed to suggest that he would be a good pick apart from 
what cane do we get? And unfortunately for, for us owners and for you as a captainer, we just got the wrong cane that game. We got a cane who just didn't really look interested again. And that's a bit of a concern. But having said that, you know, obviously they're going to play Manchester United next. If the Manchester United that we saw against Liverpool turn up against Spurs at the weekend, then surely there's going to be opportunities for Harry Kane in that one. Um, and I do feel like, you know, at some stage he will come good. And I want to be invested in Spurs when that happens. So I've, I've just kind of I've gone early and, and maybe it might be a mistake. But the good thing about going early is if it's wrong, I can always come down. There's so many other players that are cheaper than him mm. that I can move to. So, yeah, I, th- I think whilst it hasn't gone well as a captaincy this week, I, I still do think moving forward, you're probably on the right person because in a couple of weeks time, you would suspect that most FPL managers would want to go there. Yeah, I, I mean, to add to that, I think uh, all the reasonings you put were exactly what I was thinking. I, I thought there was an opportunity here against West Ham. And um, in hindsight, I'm not sure if this is the right move because my plan was always to captain uh, Harry Kane come game week 12. Mm. But it seems like this Perma Salah captaincy is really coming to life all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, so if that's the case, maybe it is not a good idea to ha- double up. And if anything, you could save two million and get Hung uh, and Son, who's playing much higher up the pitch and seems to be much more of a threat. Um, the reason I went for Kane also, in addition to everything you said, was because I wanted to keep that uh, premium um, striker slot. Yeah. Uh, the issue with Vardy is he's a great player and his fixtures are decent. But if you go down to Vardy, it's regardless, you're going to have to make two transfers to upgrade. Yeah. And I thought that keeping Kane till game week 15 would allow me to go to Ronaldo um, at that time from with one transfer, um, yeah. essentially. Um, so that was my thinking back then. But I'm very worried. I, I really hope in the next few game weeks, we see the old Harry Kane as he was half paced slow and kind of didn't seem mentally in it. Um, yeah. So that's my main concern. Mm. I mean, I, I totally, uh, we all know my feelings on Harry Kane. I mean, I totally agree with you. We need to see him back as quickly as possible. I think I, I like you was kind of in my head. Son was always the player that I wanted. He was always the one that I was kind of targeting as my incoming, but like you, I like to play FPL with a premium in every position because moving around, it's so much easier when you've got that person there that you can downgrade or you're happy to downgrade. And whilst we were starting to see the midfielders become this big investment that we wanted to make, I wasn't yet convinced I wanted to take all the money out of of up, up top. You know, we didn't really know the extent of Lukaku's injury at that stage either. So I was kind of like, well, let's go Kane gives me some breathing space to work out what I'm going to do. And then in a couple of weeks time, I'm able to then make a better judgment maybe on, on who I want or who, who I don't. But yeah, like you say, I mean, for me, I think Salah perma captain until he goes to the AFCON is, is absolutely, is absolutely on. I just can't see me moving the armband anywhere else, but there are still like 35% of the game, I think nearly that don't own Salah. Is there any justification now for not owning Salah or is it just that you have to you have to do whatever you need to do to get him in your team? No, there is no justification. It's it's a mind-boggling uh, ownership because you would expect all casuals to even have um, Salah. That's so it, if- yeah. Because at the start of the season, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's the dead teams that don't have him. But I would have expected the dead teams to have started the season with Salah. Yeah. I mean, the only reasoning behind it I can think of is uh, people want to be super differential and, and go go um, chase the upside. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a weird one. I, I wonder why they don't have Salah. There was a there was a kind of a community chatter. I remember a fair few weeks ago now where when Ronaldo arrived, everyone was like, well, do we go Ronaldo and Lukaku and not have Salah? Because in doing that, that gives us the ability to have those two guys up top because they just arrived in the Premier League. We were expecting fireworks from both of them. And we were maybe a little bit concerned about Liverpool's forwards sharing sharing the points because, you know, there's so many of them with, with Jota as well as Firmino and Mane and Salah. I was never in that camp. I was never in the camp that thought you could, you, I would want to sell Salah. Um, and so on Saturday, I was obviously, I'd captain Salah and I thought, I wonder how many people went for Havertz. And so I was looking at EO uh, stats. And so when I was looking at Salah, the only EO that he had that was below 100% was in the three to four million bracket where his EO was 86%, which mm. tells me that the majority of managers at the top three million have got him and okay. we're therefore going to captain him this week. So it seems to be not even the dead teams. It's not even the teams at 8 million that haven't got him. It's the team sort of in that three to four. And I wonder whether what you said before is right, whether actually they've tried to go differential in the hope of gaining a rank jump. So going for Ronaldo and Lukaku or Ronaldo and Kane or Kane and Sun or whoever, however they've done it to try to take that sale of money to give them the leap that they need to maybe get back on track for the season. So maybe that's the reason for it. But like you say, I think, you know, we have to, we have to have Salah. I, d- I just don't think you can not. The question then, I guess, is what do we do about the other teams? Because it's going to take up some budget. And unsurprisingly, we get really good results from Chelsea and Manchester City this weekend. They are both teams that also have huge potential for rotation, although we are seeing less rotation this year than we did last year. Who do you own from Chelsea and, and Manchester City? So I, I had uh, Werner, Lukaku and Rhys James from mm-hmm. Chelsea. Yeah, a, a note I want to make on what you just said about owning Ronaldo and Lukaku uh, a couple of game weeks ago. It just shows how quickly FPL can change. Exactly. And- you know, that was actually a very viable option back then. I yeah. really, you know, we were talking about this premium thing and and yeah, I was even thinking about having both of them too. So you really have to be able to adapt in this game and and it's very unpredictable, but we're trying to predict uh, unpredictable games. So you got to be flexible in, in your moves and, and accept that not everything's going to go right. So yeah, so now I need to move to Chelsea assets quickly. In my wildcard, I wish I picked Chilwell instead of Reese because I think Chilwell plays much more attacking I mean, he's basically a left forward and in this game against Norwich, I was scared out of my mind because he was he was so uh, attacking in the opposition box. And for some reason, Reese James hugs the sideline a a lot more. He's, you know, not making these bombing runs that I expected him to make, um, even with his speed. So a little worried about this Reese James pick, although he did pick up a goal. Um, So I'm considering a double up in the Chelsea defense. And the way to get there is because I have. Um, Laporte, uh, Cancelo and Phil Foden already. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm very underinvested in both Chelsea and Manchester City at the moment. So I've got Rudiger from Chelsea because basically I got scared and decided to play it safe. I still think Rudiger's a good pick because he's the most secure in terms of starts. He's the most... And we've seen so far this season, you know, he scored against Spurs, he got an assist, lucky assist, I must add, but he got an assist in game week nine. Um, so we are seeing some attacking returns from Rudiger. I like owning him, but he is currently the only Chelsea player I own 
On the flip side of this, I own Phil Foden at Man City. Delighted to have bought in Phil Foden a couple of weeks ago. That's gone very well. But he's the only Manchester City player I own, so I don't have a City defender at the moment. So every every week I sit and I watch Manchester City play and I pray Mm. that the the clean sheet's going to go because so many people like yourself are doubled up defensively with them or at least have one of them and I have none of them which is why my jammy game week last week was even more jammy when that Brighton goal went in because I was thinking oh this is going to hurt me but of course it didn't in the end because the clean sheet went so I am looking to invest more in both Chelsea and Manchester City now the difficulty I have with all of this is that it all takes a little bit of time to build up to getting these players because I have Jota uh, from Liverpool and I was quite happy to sell him Mm. until Sunday happened. And now I'm looking at it thinking, well, you know what, even if he doesn't start, there's a good chance, I think, that he's going to get minutes off the bench. He's going to get attacking returns off the bench. So I don't think I really want to get rid of him. And he was going to be my midfield change I was looking at kind of maybe do I go Mount do I go Havertz do I go for somebody else in that midfield area and then I look at my defense I've got Samedo who I would happily sell but I've got to find some money to take Samedo up to a Manchester City defender so I'm a little bit all over the place with what I'm doing at the moment I do think that you want to be at least doubled up on Manchester City and Chelsea so only only one of them each for me it feels a bit difficult yeah, I think there's a couple of things I'd, I'd like to say here because Rudiger is an ex- outstanding pick. He seems the most locked in that defense. And actually, he's very, very attacking. Um, mm-hmm. In the Norwich game, he he took a shot outside the box that really had a good shot, a uh, good chance of going in. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a great asset to have. But the reason why I'm so bullish on having the wingbacks as the options is because of an option like Livermento being first off your bench. He's uh, amazing. Um, Exactly. And he's not not just a, a great FPL asset, but a very solid, young, up-and-coming footballer. I'm going to struggle to bench him in the next few weeks because his fixtures are so, so good. Uh, yeah, so that, that's one of the reasons why I'm invested in Cancelo as well as Reese James and do not mind the occasional benching, although Reese James might come on for the one-pointer. Yeah, and- that's an annoying thing with Reese James, where he sometimes brings him on in like the 80th minute just to annoy his managers. Yeah. And the reason I earlier said that we're playing a, we're trying to predict an unpredictable game is that in this game, we have 20 teams, right? In the Premier League. And I think there's three predictable, somewhat predictable teams in City, Chelsea, and Liverpool. And so if that is the case, um, and you're looking at your starting 11, ideally you would want three City, three Chelsea, and the three Liverpool assets because. Um, you know, just like the stock market, when the economy is good, you want to buy certain stocks. When the economy is bad, you want some cash. Um, so right now, for me, I think it's a must to have three City and three Chelsea assets just because they're the most predictable teams in, t- in terms of points. Mm. Uh, for me, Liverpool, I, I think I can only think of two outstanding picks in Trent and Salah. Um, so if that's the case, then you're already filled in nine positions. However, with this being said, um, you know, you might want... Uh, for example, two Chelsea defenders and two City defenders. So then you have to weigh off the options and see if there's uh, uh, which which options are better. And then you look elsewhere. Um, you look elsewhere to the less predictable teams, but better assets than the ones in the pr- most predictable teams. So I think um, the point I'm trying to make is that 
it's very important to hop on the hot teams in form, especially with good fixtures. And it's also very important to have as many of the best teams assets as possible, in my mm. opinion. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I'm trebled on Liverpool. Mm. But like I say, just have that one player each from Chelsea and um, Manchester City. Now, I did have two Chelsea players because I did have Lukaku. So it was kind mm. of doubled up there and I was quite happy with that. And I was therefore looking to spend the additional money that I had in the bank, upgrading Semedo. Um, but as things have gone over the last couple of weeks, the money that I did have in the bank has whittled its way down to nothing because <laughs> I've had to buy various other people because of injuries and other stuff that's happened. So, yeah, so now I'm in a place where upgrading Semedo is a little bit more of a challenge. So I've now got to think very carefully about who else I'm prepared to sacrifice. And like you said, Livermento is one of those players that, I've been starting him for the last few weeks because he's been phenomenally good. You know, he can get clean sheets. Southampton have been much better defensively than I thought that they would be. So defensively, they've looked solid. But not only that, every time I watch him, he looks like he's going to get a goal and an assist and all three bonus points. And I really like him. And there is an element, I think, because he's so cheap of people going, well, he's my bench defender. So there you go. You take a seat on the bench. But I keep looking at him thinking, well, I think you've got a better fixture than Semedo has, so I'm going to play you instead and I'll bench Semedo. Now, I'm happy to do that because it's Semedo, so I'm happy to send my Wolves defender to the bench. But if he was a Manchester City defender, I'd be giving myself massive headaches because I'd be looking at Livermento sat there on the bench thinking, well, I can't bench Cancelo for you, I can't bench Diaz, I can't bench Laporte, whoever it was that I had from Manchester City. And so Livermento would often therefore be left on the bench. Now, I don't really have a lot of rotation risks in my team. I suppose you could say Foden is, suppose you could say Jota is, but both of them always come on. Very rarely do they not come on at all. So I don't really ever use my bench at the moment, not often. So I don't know, it's it's hard. And and I I think you're right, though. I think you do want to be at least doubled up on those players. So I just need to work out how I'm going to do it. Let's talk about Everton for a minute, because obviously Decore has is now out for a while. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's return has yet again, it feels like, been delayed. Um, we did see Richarlison back in game week nine. But what on earth happened to Everton? Because I was expecting them to, to be really good in this game. I mean, I have Damari Gray. He obviously got an assist, which I'm pleased about. But they completely fell apart against a Watford side that, sorry, Watford fans, but have been awful absolutely awful for weeks and weeks and Everton just completely lost the plot what should we do with Townsend with Gray are we now at a place where we need to look to move them on yeah the Everton one's uh, tricky I I don't think uh this one game should define how they're going to be for the short term or the long term Uh, I think Rafa Benitez is too good of a uh, manager to kind of you know falter from here on out um but you have to remember Everton's spine is is gone so you, you're mm. missing DCL, Dokure and Iremina and uh you know DCL is a, a striker but he affects the entire team right like it, it, it's very important to have your key players um so in terms of Everton assets do you really want to invest invest in their fringe players mm. or would you just hold off and not touch them i i go with the latter i don't think you want to touch any Everton players right now but let's say you do have Townsend and Gray uh, it is you know, sort of a headache, but if you don't have any fires to put out, yes, then maybe same with Manchester United, it is time to move them on. 
uh, and start shopping because there's plenty of options elsewhere. But if you have other fires to put out, uh, I think they have two decent fixtures coming up. So if they're getting 90 minutes and they're no threat in their position, why, the, why send them home? Never bring out a starter for a hit unless you really, really see the potential in it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with you on that. I've I've got one transfer to make this week and I'm looking at my squad thinking there's nobody I really hate in there now. There's, you know, there's a couple of players that I think could be better, but they're not from their bench players. So I'm not too worried. When I look at the Everton fixtures, they've obviously got Wolves in game week 10, followed by Spurs in 11. Then Manchester City, Brentford and Liverpool. So the fixtures are mixed, I think, at best. I think for me, if I don't see anything from Gray in game week 10, that will probably be the point where I look to to get rid of him and, and to swap him out for somebody else. Yeah. Obviously, you know, playing at the back end of all of this is we have a number of injury concerns at the, after game week nine. Obviously, Tierney missed out on Friday evening. Uh, Vardy picked up something in the warm-up that we still don't really know what that's all about and he came off at half time Rafina limping out again we don't really know yet still what's happening with Lukaku and we've got some midweek cup matches obviously Tuesday and Wednesday evening so as we saw last week from the Champions League we can lose important players during the course of these fixtures because a lot of our big players are well, the teams are at least going to be playing. Whether we see Salah playing in midweek, I mean, Liverpool in theory shouldn't need him to play in midweek, but, you know, mm. the reality is he could be forced to play this week. So could the likes of Kane and Son against Burnley. And in fact, I fully expect Spurs to be full strength against Burnley on Wednesday evening. Should managers, if they don't normally, should they just be waiting this out every week now? Should we just be waiting till right at the end of the window before we make those decisions? Because, you know, likes of Rafina, he's got Norwich in game week 10. If if he makes it and he's available, you're going to want him. But you're going to have to really wait for those late press conferences, aren't you? Yeah, I think that's, the, that's an excellent question that all managers, whether they're veteran or new to the game, will always ask themselves, what is a good enough justification for an early transfer? And something that I struggle with as well, because uh, you know you really want to hop on some price points. But I think this is a very case-by-case, week-by-week kind of thing. For example, the Rafinha move, you should 100% wait because what you know the, the tackle was really bad, but what if he's back for the Norwich game? You definitely want Rafinha. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, I, I think you have to ask, maybe look at your players and decide whether you you can pocket some money off them. If not, uh, 100%, I would wait till the end of the, the press conferences before making decisions this week. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's wise generally. There's often times where I really want to go early and, and sometimes you have to. Sometimes you, your hand is forced. So, you know, I had the exact money to go Lukaku to Kane this week. And so I spent a lot of time just before I went to bed Thursday evening, just double checking that Lukaku wasn't going to drop and that Kane wasn't going to rise because I would have been priced out of doing it at that point. So had I been going to be priced out, then I maybe would have had to go a day earlier than I wanted to. I wanted to wait. If you can afford to wait, if the prices aren't going to make a big difference to what you're going to do, then for me, having as much information as possible. If COVID has taught me anything, and playing FPL through COVID times has taught me anything. It's it, the patience sometimes is the right thing, even if you think that you know what you want to do. I mean, last week I said on our live stream on the Sunday that I was fully intending to do Embuemo in for Jota. 
unless something major happened in the Champions League. But I wasn't prepared to go early on it in case something major happened. And of course, it did. And so I didn't do the Embuemo move. And actually, I was very lucky I didn't because Embuemo is now a slight injury doubt, came off early. And, and obviously, Jota did what Jota did. So it worked out well for me in the end. That was pure luck, to be honest. But an unfortunate circumstances for Lukaku that meant I had something else to do. But right now, waiting for me feels like a very, very good idea. Last week, then, we targeted players like Havertz, Vardy, Kane. All of that came about when the Lukaku news broke. None of those went well for their owners. Um, But let's take this into game week 10 now. If there were three kind of key assets for your FPL teams this week, who would they be and why? Oh, that's a difficult one to answer. I I think I'm going to try to answer this by giving a much more uh, unexpected uh, kind of differentials, if you don't mind. No, Uh, lovely. Yeah, so I I actually think that a short-term punt on, for example, uh, Naby Keita might be a very, very good one. I really enjoy kind of, you know, integrating uh, team tactics into FPL decisions. And Liverpool have always been a very system-based team, right? And so you... You know, uh, Gengen Pressen is a very, uh, you know, I might be butchering the pronunciation, but um, Klopp is known for his very, you know, high press and, and fast tempo, high pressure type of uh, system. And previously, when Liverpool won uh, their title, um, they had three narrow forwards uh, before Jota moved and two fullbacks providing the width. So it's a very system based approach. But this season, Salah has been on another level. And mm. Klopp, I think, is trying to kind of, make his team tactics revolved around Salah. There's no real data to back this up except my eye test. Um, And so I, what I'm seeing a lot right now is there's a lot of decoy runs happening around Salah. Um, So it's, it's very difficult to kind of man mark Salah because when you're a defender and Salah is coming and there's decoy runs coming, your peripheral vision is going to see both players and, and you're going to have to make a decision whether you go with the marker or runner which is going to create a lot of chances for uh, these players around Salah as well. Mm-hmm. And the guy that that's making a lot of these runs, as we saw in this game, is Naby Keita. So I think Keita is going to be in a lot of amazing positions, pockets of space, half spaces, and very dangerous positions. And people forget that before Keita moved, he, ha- he was an amazing player at Le- Leipzig. And um, the whole reason Klopp brought in him is because he was the full, uh, you know, box to box, everything that a midfielder you want. Uh, it's just injuries have really, you know, mm. hindered his his development. Um, so this is a very fun differential punt, in my opinion. And another fun one, obviously, ESR is the talk of the town, but I think Aubameyang is a very decent option as well. I know, I know, we're on Kane right now, and I probably will not move down to Aubameyang, but mm-hmm. you know, Aubameyang is a set piece taker, talisman, penalty taker, and when you're the number nine and and uh, things are going through you in any team randomness will always fa- uh, favor you. So he's, you know, finding some form and he pulls off some very, very nice passage, kind of like Giroud at, at his best. So I think he's a good alternative as, as, as a forward. Um, so two very fun picks that might be good in not only this game week, but the upcoming few game weeks. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think obviously with Kater, let's keep an eye on him because of that 
um, injury that he picked up again with Pogba. I mean, I think I think the likelihood is he'll be absolutely fine and, and he'll play. It seemed it didn't seem like it was too severe, thankfully, um, even mm. though it, it did at the time. But I think, you know, he, he what you say is interesting, isn't it? Because with Liverpool, especially going back to what we said earlier, you know, you look to fill your team with their talisman, don't you? You look to kind of go Salah, do we go and Trent? And then the other one, it's kind of like, well, who do we get? And, and Mane's in that difficult price point. Jota is somewhat of a rotation risk obviously Firmino is in a different difficult position um, price point wise so going for somebody else feels a bit out there but sometimes it's the out there picks that actually go all right and he's also a player that you wouldn't mind benching every now and then to play the likes of Liveramento so it, it could work well and as for Bamiang he's a really interesting one for me because I think we were all expecting last season to be amazing for a Bamiang New contracts, we were expecting, you know, Aubameyang to be everything for Arsenal. And he was really nothing for Arsenal. And it was really quite difficult to watch. Even as a Spurs fan, it was really quite difficult to watch at times because you're like, what is happening here with this player who's so talented and just isn't really up for anything? It doesn't seem like he wants to motivate the rest of the team in a way that a captain should be. He seems to be kind of just a bit in limbo land. Whereas this season, I think we started to see that at the beginning. Obviously, he'd had COVID, so we had that element at play and Arsenal started very badly. But again, it was mostly due to COVID. Now, Arsenal are finding their feet. Now, what we're seeing from the likes of Smithrow and Saka is this real development of youth across the Arsenal team, but really good quality youth as well. Players that really want to play for the badge, really passionate about the game and what they're doing. And as a result of that, I feel like Arsenal have improved dramatically. Now, of course, that in turn means that Aubameyang is getting better chances. He's playing alongside um, inspired youngsters who are inspiring him and he looks better as a result. So it sounds rogue. It sounds out there, but I don't think it's quite as weird a pick. It's just the price point that is kind of difficult, I think, with Aubameyang. Yeah, but uh, Sam, to give a more conventional answer, uh, and if we're looking at just exactly game week 10, um, you know, Aubameyang is a good pick, but if we're looking strictly at a, uh, game week 10, we're trying to target the three weakest teams defensively mm. in the league, which would be, in my opinion, Norwich, Watford, and Newcastle. Um, so in that case, Chelsea's going to be playing Newcastle. So this is why I'm very, I was very set on banking my transfer to get to Sun the next game week but I might have to make a move to double up on the Chelsea defense or move to Mount. I, I think that Chilwell is a better option than Mount at this point in time. Okay, um, okay. So I definitely think that you should be looking into the Chelsea assets and trying to get at least two if you only have one. With that being said, uh, Chelsea's fixtures are not great in the long term. So uh, watch out for that. Um, again, um, Man City assets is very important. If you don't have Phil Foden, I think he's a very, very uh, you know good option to have moving forward. Norwich plays Leeds, so if you have Rafinha, again, hold on to Rafinha. I wouldn't bring in him this week if you don't have him because Rafinha, as great of a player as he is and how uh, attacking he is, this, this year he's been kind of a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about him, and I, I think he's a wait and watch. And I think people should look into the Tony and Buemo, uh, maybe not double up, but at least having one of them. Because starting this game week, their fixtures are about to get really, really good. So I'd be very interested in those two from Brentford. The other thing I love about Brentford, if you look at Tony and Buemo, is is what it enables the rest of your team 
to look like because suddenly we're talking about really nice cheap options where you're then going to be able to have you know if you want to go for a differential punt on kdb if you, if you want to have a midfield that has Havertz or Mount and it also has Foden and it also has um, Salah and it also has Son by having Embuemo by having Tony by having these cheaper options you're going to allow yourself the ability to get to a really heavy midfield which in other ways you may not have been able to yeah yeah Mm. Okay, anyone then that you were disappointed with in game week nine that you now think managers should be looking to offload ahead of the game week 10 deadline? Ben Rama is an interesting one. I don't think that the double up is viable anymore. Uh, early in the season, it was because both of them were firing. So mm. uh, for me, Antonio is plenty enough for West Ham. And it seems like they're not going to score more than maybe one or two goals. And the reason we were doubling up earlier on the season was because they're scoring more than two goals. So mm. the size of the pie is really small. I'm not sure if you know about this, Sam, but the theory of abundance is something maybe that's not an official term, but something that um, I, I find very interesting because when you look at Man City assets, for example, um, their goals are so spread out, right? And so it's very hard to predict who's going to score. Right now, obviously, um, Foden is kind of playing this fake false nine where he's actually the highest up of the pitch. So um, he's most likely to get a lot of goals. Um, so uh, it's a little bit different of a case, but a lot of times Man City goals are so spread out. So if they are scoring more than three, four, five goals a game, uh, then it's worth the investment because they're scoring so many that, hey, maybe you have a chance of getting one or two of them uh, goals or assists. Versus when you look at a team like Spurs or uh, West Ham, uh, they don't have an abundance of goals, right? So they're limited to one or two goals recently. So if that's the case, then you just want to hold on to maybe one of the main talisman that's most likely to score. And for example, in Spurs, Son has been involved in, I think, over 70% of all Spurs Spurs goals. Mm -hmm. So exactly why you would want to pick him over, let's say, a three- uh, player Man City team structure, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Mm. Yeah, I mean, for me, everything you've just said makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. It's, it's it's picking out the right players. And actually, when you look at kind of goal involvement stats and, and expected goal stats, I'm always surprised, given Spurs' start to the season, how high Sun sits on all of these stats, because actually he is the one that is the, the catalyst. And I agree with you on both Sun and Ben Rama, I think. I told Ben Rama a few weeks ago and I haven't regretted it. Every time I've watched West Ham, I've felt like at some stage the season will catch up with them. Not because I think that they're a bad team by any stretch, but because the amount of football that they've been playing recently and obviously with the Europa League, this is something that's relatively new to West Ham in terms of this multiple matches all the time. And we've seen from players like Antonio that they are injury prone and and they are they are slower that game between Spurs and, and West Ham at the weekend goodness me it was a slow game of football there was, was there, you know and you could see that both sides were just you know not really in it and and had that game finished nil nil I would not have been surprised at all it took one bit of very bad defending from Harry Kane and to give West Ham the win but you know, I just think Ben Rama and Antonio is too much. I've even been questioning whether Antonio is is too much now because there are other players in nice runs of form. You know, you look at the Tony fixtures in comparison to Antonio's fixtures, and I'm thinking that feels like a really nice nice go to because I would also back I'd back Brentford to score more goals than I would West Ham per match, 
even if the fixtures were the same. I just think that the way that Brentford play, they're so much more attacking these days. Whereas West Ham do, unfortunately, they seem to have slowed the pace a little bit. And that's probably to do with the amount of game time and matches that they have. I'm going to ask you now what potentially is the most stupid question of them all, but we ask it every week and it wouldn't be a scout the game week if I didn't. So the final question of this pod then, who wears the captain's armband this week? Anyone? Anyone yeah, other than Salah? Really tough one, um, but I'm going to give you three answers. Go on. Um, option A is Mo. Option B is Salah. And option three <laughs> is Mohamed Salah. So you pick out of them three and... I hope everybody listening doesn't make the mistake that I made last week and go against the amazing best player in the world currently, in my opinion, Mohamed Salah. I mean, you look at the fixtures and even if even if Salah wasn't in the form that he's in, arguably this is still one of the best pick fixtures of the weekend. I mean, obviously yep. Liverpool playing Brighton this weekend, Salah in the form of his life. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, the reality is, yes, you, there are some differentials out there that you could consider. Manchester City have a really nice fixture against Crystal Palace. If you wanted to go Foden, you could. Absolutely, you could. Chelsea have a really nice fixture against Newcastle. If Lukaku was fit, you absolutely could have gone with him. If you wanted a differential, you absolutely could go with Mount. But the reality is, you don't want to regret it. The way I'm seeing this season now is that captaincy is such an obvious thing to do that going against the grain feels like such a huge risk. What I'd rather do is just leave my armband on a player that I'm, I trust to return me something because to be honest, even if he doesn't, it's not going to hurt because everybody's going to have done the same thing. And then I'll let the differentials across the rest of my team be the ones that boost my rank. I don't think you need to take captaincy risks. The one thing I would add to that is for managers like myself and, and managers who got a bigger red arrow, I, I think that there's a lot of managers that got a huge red arrow. That doesn't mean that you have to go differential with your captain. Uh, I think that we have to realize it's still pretty early in the season. So do not panic and, and continue to chip away little by little. And yeah. don't take a punt against a inform amazing Mohamed Salah at this moment in time. Mm. Yeah. I mean, last week, it was a prime example of, of how things can change in a heartbeat. So for me, I was having a very much mediocre season. I've been having huge red arrows. And at one point was over a million at game week, like five, and was thinking, what is happening to my life? Like, wh- why do all these decisions I make keep <laughs> not coming off? And then little by little, you know, green arrow, green arrow, green, but small, small little green arrows, chip, chip, chip away. And, and last weekend, I got to the end of game week eight and was sitting at 750-ish K, thinking this really isn't where I want to be. But my goodness, if I look back three weeks, I'm, I've made progress. And, and it's, it's small chunks out here and there, but it's working. Then rolls in game week nine. And I actually sat and I had a conversation with TED Talks FPL, who is my team captain for the the scout um, team competition that that we're doing. And he said, Sam, I want to put the striker armband on you this week. And I was like, oh, Ted, I I don't feel more confident in myself. I don't, I look at my team and I don't back it. I think that there's a lot of potential nightmares in there and I don't really have a bench. So if it doesn't pay off, like, you know, Jimenez was was a concern. Was he going to play? And Ted was, I'm backing you. I'm going with it anyway. And I was like, right, okay, well, I hope I don't let you down. We'll, you know, we'll go with it. And it ended up being the best game week I've ever had. Nice. 128 points I had last week, which wow. 
was ridiculous. It was and gave me a rank change of 84%. And the reason I'm mentioning this is, is on the basis of what you've just said, because an 84% rank change meant I'm now at 117K, which is ridiculous given where I started this game week. And what it tells us is that the game is still so tight. There's still very, very little between each of the rank positions. So you have one differential that comes off and you get that green arrow. But if your captaincy goes wrong, you're almost guaranteeing yourself a large red arrow. So keep Mm. the captain's armband safe and secure. Leave it with Salah probably until the African Cup of Nations. Unless something horrendous happens between now and then and he drops out of form entirely. Just leave it with him and let the differentials in your team do the talking. If you've got Havertz, he's differential enough this week without needing to give him the armband. The same as Mount. Mount's still a differential. You don't need to give him the armband. Phone's the same. All of these players are differentials. If you don't armband them, they're still going to give you a green arrow. So that's the lesson I learned massively last week is that the captaincy, just be safe, play it safe, Mm. trust in Salah and let everyone else in your team talk for him. Excellent. Yep. I 100% agree. That's it for this week's Scout the Game Week. Andy, thank you so much for joining me. I will be back next week to look back on Game Week 10 and ahead to Game Week 11. Green arrows all.